Good morning, everyone. I know the events of the last few weeks have put some of us on edge. Remember, we are the Greyhound family, and we have always, always taken care of one another. Now, everyone with me, take a second and breathe. Welcome, welcome everybody to Carmel Conversations. I'm so happy you can make it today because we got a doozy of an episode that I know you're going to enjoy. Today's January 31st, the end of January and a Friday, so I'm happy that you could make it on your Friday. Hopefully you're enjoying your nice long weekend coming up, but also it's the end of January and up next we got February and that's, you know, that's a fun time. We got Valentine's Day, we got other things that go on in February, but other than that we're going to talk about the podcast today and I'm really excited for my guest today because we got Chris Elmore. So me and Chris, we have been friends for quite a long time, uh, all the way since seventh grade, actually. And if you don't know Chris, he's a very, very political guy as well. So he's chairman for Indiana State Young Republicans. He's the president for Young Republicans at Carmel High School. And he's just really, really fun to listen to. But he cares more about just politics than just surface level stuff. And you're going to hear that on the podcast today. So what do we have coming up? Up next, we got Redemption Arcs, Childhood Dreams, Homeschool, National Awards, and some good old politics. Everyone, give it up for Mr. Chris Elmore. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Chris Elmore. Chris? I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Chris, we've been friends for quite a bit of a time now. Yeah, like around uh, five years. Five years, yeah. Because you came in, what, sixth or seventh grade? I came in seventh grade. Yeah, and where did you come from exactly? I came from Augusta, Georgia. I so guess. That's, that's where the Masters Golf Tournament is played. Yeah, I love the Masters. You know, actually, I dressed up as Fuzzy Zeller for the Indiana like Hall of Fame or whatnot. He was like a three-time or two-time... Uh, Masters winner. Yeah. This is underrated. Green Jacket Club. Green Jacket Club, yeah. You know, so, the, uh, the actual name of their minor league baseball team, at least it was the Green Jackets. I think it still is the Green Jackets, huh. but that's based off of, it, it, they do like a, like a, you know, a yellow jacket kind of deal, but it's green, but it's based off of the Green Jackets that people win when they win the Masters. Okay, are you a big baseball guy? Um, I'm more of a, baseball's my favorite sport. Um, I watch any sport, right? I don't track sports as closely as I should, probably, but I'm a baseball guy for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned you were from Augusta, Georgia, right? Yeah. Were you born in Indy, though? Yeah. I Well, I was born in Terre Haute, Indiana. So that's actually where my mom grew up. Uh, my dad grew up in East Allen, Illinois. Um, and then he came to Terre Haute when he was working out at Clinton um, for Eli Lilly. And that's how they met. All right. And then he started working, and then he worked at uh, the Indianapolis plant for a long time. And when did you move to uh, Georgia? Uh, I moved to Georgia, gosh, it was 2008, 2009. I think it was 2009 because it was after Obama had been elected. So we moved in 2009 down to Georgia. Uh, but we actually had, um, we brought two dogs down with us. Okay. So that was pretty awesome. So we had actually, it, it was the perfect timing because we got Champ, who is my oldest dog now, in 2008. Okay. And it was like right as we were about to move that we picked him up. So Champ is like 12 now, right? Or is probably. he older? No, I think he's probably about uh, 12. Yeah. Great dog. Yeah, yes he is. I love yeah. Champ. Um, so when you moved back to Indy, because I know you came back to Indy, to Carmel, exactly, in around 20, 2012, 20... 
Um, 15? No, not 2012. Yeah, it would have been 20, I guess 2014 would have been it. Because, um, let's see, what, what what year was it? It was either 2014, I guess I've been here five years, so it was 2015, not 2014. But I moved here in May of 2015. Um, and that was awesome. So your last day of sixth grade was the day I moved in. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, did you have to go to school on that day? No. 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 Nope. Uh, I, I actually, so actually when I lived in Georgia, I was homeschooled, right? So because the school systems there weren't as good as they are here. And that's part of the reason we moved to Carmel is because it's like the best high school in the state um, and one of the best in the country. And so I went from being homeschooled to coming to public school. But there were probably a few homeschool days that I probably didn't really do. All right. <laughs> right? Yeah. So so you had a little bit more leeway. So we moved here, finished off my homeschool year, um, and then started up with public school here. Do you know if that's the only reason why you moved? Like, Well, we moved back for work. Um, for my dad's job, so that was the primary reason we were we were moving back. We were initially so he worked for Eli Lilly for years, um, and then they bought a plant called Mon- from Monsanto, which is another big pharmaceutical company, and they gave it to their animal health division, which is Elanco. Um, so my dad has worked for Elanco, I guess. Now I've been here for five years, I guess almost fifteen years. Um, that's kind of cool. But um, so he's been working for Elanco for over over 10 years now um and so that's why we moved down there in the first place was so he could go and become the quality director there and then we moved back when he moved to elanco corporate headquarters and now he's managing a bunch of different plants and you mentioned you were homeschooled what's it like being uh taught in carmel compared to being homeschooled obviously i'm sure it's a very different gap yeah well it's different because um i was in public schools up until second grade and I really enjoyed it in Georgia, actually. I, I, I liked the people I was with. I was having fun. Recess was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot of friends still from public school in Georgia that I still keep up with and talk to. Um, specifically, my friend Eric, he comes up every year or so um, where I go down and visit. But um, So there are a lot of good friends. But then going homeschooled from third grade to sixth grade, I didn't really like it. Um, because I'm a more social person, and so I love my sister. She's great, but just being homeschooled with her got to be a bit much. Sure, and, and we then, weren't a, and we weren't as close back then as we are now. Um, so it was a little bit different. Uh, but but my mom made an effort. Um, we did a lot of stuff with a different with a homeschool group, which was like a conjunction of like four or five families, the five families, if you will. Sure. Um, and we would go out and do stuff and learn together and go out to lunch all the time. So that that was definitely fun. Um, uh, but homeschool was also cool because I could sleep in until yeah. nine, and most of the day I was done by noon or one. So it was really pretty. It was a pretty nice experience. Um, but coming from that. And not having a ton of friends. Well, I had I had friends because I also did extracurriculars. Right, I was in scouts. I was in theater. Um, but not having friends that I would see daily for, at school to coming to a massive middle school like Creekside, like that was probably um, two times, two or three times as big as any school I had been used to. Definitely like thousand times bigger than what I was used to with my own house, right? So. It was quite the experience going from two students in a classroom to going to 
30 with, and with 1,200 in the school in general. And with the limited people that you did see, what were they like? Were they surprisingly nice? Was it a little jarring to be only like these are the five or however many people that you're going to be with for the next couple of years? What was that dynamic like? I think it was a lot easier on my sister than it was for me because there was really only one guy in the group okay. who I hung out with. And me and him are still friends. He, he's cool. But um, but I, I don't know. There was an age gap, and um, it was a little weird. Uh, me and him hung out all the time, um, and we had a great time together. Um, but, you know, he was a little more mature than, than I was at the time. I was a little more immature. Um but I think we did well with our friendship. We hung out quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there was a, a bit of pressure, you know, like this is who I've got. And uh, and, and I really I really like him. I, I, I need to talk to him more, I guess. But uh, now he's in – but, like, he's in college now. So right. he's about to go into his sophomore year. I'm about to go into my junior year. So or my fr- my senior year. <laughs> I'm, I am a junior. <laughs> my senior year. So he's, like, you know, three grades above me, basically. So, I don't know. It was, it was kind of bizarre. But we did a lot of other stuff, too, besides the homeschool group. So, um, if I hadn't been homeschooled, I don't know if I would have stuck with Boy Scouts as long. Okay. Um, because what happened is so many friends I knew from elementary school were tied into Scouts. And so, it was really a great way of me to keep in touch with them and to keep doing stuff with them, like, weekly. And so, that was a pretty cool experience, too. And so, I think... I kind of got wrapped up in the camaraderie and everything and really made me buy into scouts. So I wouldn't take that back for the world. Yeah. And I know you're a very, very political guy. Yeah. Um, in fact, you have your own live show on uh, on this station, yeah. Elmore's World. We'll be talking about that in just a little bit. But Sure. Chris, I know one of your major goals in life is to become president of the United States <laughs> of America. Uh, huh. And ever since I've known you, that's kind of been like, your trademark, Chris Elmore, sure. uh, 2020, 2044, 2044. Was the year. Yeah. Yep. Uh, has that changed for you? Are you still like trying to go be president? Has it uh, different branch in politics? Well, sure. I mean, it's shifted, right? I mean, people ask me that question quite a bit and I say, well, you know, it was a different time. I was wrapped up in it. I was a little more mature, definitely more immature. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I think there were virtues to it because it did get me engaged. It got me involved. It it made me pay attention to the process more. And I think that, I mean, I want to go into politics. Like, that's going to be my career. Um, And I don't think I would have looked at that as seriously without saying, oh, I'm going to be president in 2044, right? But um, I don't know. I I, I mean, I want to run for office. That's kind of my goal. I want to give back to people, and I want to run for office to do it that way. Um, you know, 24 years down the line, years 2044, it just depends on where I am and who I am and what my life looks like. I'm not going to rule it out. I mean, if I had the resources to do it, I think I probably would pursue it. But, like, I, I don't have a... Uh, infrastructure right now to be planning that out right now what I'm trying to do is just make a difference and help change help change the party I'm in a little bit right now um, and try to modernize it and improve it so that my generation can take it over and make it successful so what what are you doing right now to impact your party and then what is your party for all those who don't know yeah so I'm a Republican 
I just heard thousands of people groan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not. I, I think it's really awesome that you're, because you don't, uh, like I mentioned before, you have your own live show, right? Yeah. Elmore's World, and you're a Republican. It's very rare, uh, in my opinion, to see a main news outlet that is explicitly Republican. Like Fox News won't sure. come out as explicitly Republican. CNN won't come out as explicitly Republican. As a, as a journalism source, they're expected to be neutral, but obviously there is some bias to it. And for you to say, hey, I'm Chris Elmore, I'm a Republican, and this is what I'm talking about, I think that's really bold of you to say that. And I'm not saying that like it's bold as in a negative thing. It's bold sure. as in like, you're stating this is what you're going to be hearing, and right. if you don't want to hear it... Tune out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well... Um... It's it's very bizarre in an environment like this because you've got, I, I think most school media and most students in general lean more left, and a lot of times that's apparent in some of their work that they do. Um, so I think that having a show like this was super important to me because it allowed me to kind of portray a different point of view than what everyone else is doing. You know, I think we have a real issue with not just objectivity, we do, but also with just the amount, the difference of um, how differently different ideas are portrayed. So, like, I think students are a great example. They are on social media all the time. They're very, probably shorter attention spans, I would I would say. Um, and they're flooded with liberal, more liberal news totally. because liberal news is what appeals to them. So, like, if you go onto Snapchat now, this right, like I I, wa I do watch those videos and and I go, well, there's definitely liberal slant to it, right? And you know, but there's two two sides to every coin, and I think it's dangerous when an entire generation is only seeing one side of the coin. Do you think that? Um I am trying to think of how to phrase this question. For a Republican, do you uh, do you think as a as I, so I'm not a liberal, but do you think as a liberal, do you think people would have the same opinion that you do of the news per se? If you understand that question, I yeah. can phrase it. Yeah, you're asking if I think that everyone else is as cynical about the news as I am. I mean, <laughs> not not necessarily, but you know, going into like I think even as a liberal I think people would think that news is pretty liberal. Yeah. Do you think that um, the journalism state right now, do you think it's overtly liberal? Do you think there's a little bit of balance? Do you think there needs to be more Republican or conservative news? Well, let, let's, I mean, there's biased news on both sides. Like Fox, Like Fox News is the biggest news channel in the country. Like we can't forget that. But you've got CNN and MSNBC and these liberal news networks, and then you've got Fox. And so I think it's it's bad for both sides that we're doing it like that because conservatives just want to go watch Fox because it's not going to annoy them, and then liberals just want to go watch CNN or MSNBC because it's not going to annoy them. But we've lost, I think, probably the most centrist news agency, but it still leans left, I would say, is ABC. Um, but um, I think that people are starting to wake up to it a little bit now. Like, conservatives have known about this for years. Like, conservatives have felt this way for years that the news media has just misportrayed stuff and misportrayed what they think and what they're saying. And I think that's part of why Trump won, if you want to look at it that way, is because 
I think conservatives got fed up with it, and they just said, all right, he's a fighter. We need a fighter. And he's fought. Yeah. Like it or not, which they're, we can get into that if you want. I mean, I have different opinions on some things than him, but, I mean, I think pretty objectively we can say he's a fighter. Yeah, okay. Um, how do you feel the current political climate of America is right now? And obviously that's a really big question, so we yeah. can like, uh, bring it down a couple notches or whatnot. But do you think that there is this negative overlook across the entirety of America? Do you think uh, patriotism is still a really big uh, key to America? You know, the American dream is obviously a big thing as well. But uh, overall, how, how do you feel, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, a live show host about politics? You probably, out of everyone in the radio station, know the most about politics. How do you feel that the climate of America has changed? Excuse me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I think it's this is probably the most polarized America's been in the last hundred years, really. Um, and that's a little scary because you've got people and friends who are stopping being friends over politics and a p- difference of, of opinion, and that's sad. Um, as a Republican, I think that, like, if you look at the impeachment, I think it's all partisan, right? I mean, that's the reason that it's been voted on strictly by party line is because of the partisanship in Washington. And despite whatever your opinion on impeachment is, I'm not even taking a position on it right now. But the fact that it was all by party lines just shows how partisan this is and how divided we are. I mean, if you gave Republicans 35 more seats in the House, this impeachment wouldn't have happened. Or if you gave Democrats five more seats in the Senate... Trump might be removed from office. Mm-hmm. It's just disappointing that um, that's where we are in America, that it's all by party line, all by party loyalty. You know, I think I, I've heard the term tribalism a lot, you know, my team versus your team. I think there's a lot of that. Do you think that's right to have tribalism or just be loyal to your party? Because, you know, I, I'm a big history buff, and during the, like, um, the beginning of America, there was this really big, like, you were either this or this. You were either a Federalist or a Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no middle. There was no independent. There's no, oh, I kind of have some Republican beliefs, but I identify as a, fe- a Federalist. Do you think it's important to, you know, have your own opinions, obviously, um, but more importantly, stay loyal to a party? Yeah, it's a big one. Um, I think that you have to remain loyal and ethical to yourself above your party. And if I were in Washington, I would be taking... I I think you've got to look at everything with absolute objectivity, absolute fact. Like right now, the impeachment. I think if you're a Republican senator, you you should take it a little bit seriously. I mean, I know there's people who are... I saw that there are a few Republican senators were messing with fidget spinners during the impeachment <laughs> yes, trial. Yeah. And it's kind of funny, but, you know, um, and, and in this case, I, I, I don't, I mean, I kind of understand where they're coming from. I think it's a sham process and everything. So I kind of understand that. But like, um, like healthcare, healthcare is a great example. Um, I think that Republicans could do a lot with healthcare, but they have to stick with the party line, right? Um, LGBTQ issues is another big one. I think that more Republicans than not are probably pro-LGBT and just want to get the government out of their social life. Okay. Um, 
But, you know, there's also those establishment Republicans who haven't changed in the last 50 years who are still on that. So it makes it a little bit more difficult and probably makes us seem a little more um, a little different than we actually are. Okay, and you mentioned social issues. I, I, you know, I'm not super political. And I think when personally when politics get into social issues, I think that's a really uh, big issue because that's not necessarily like their job. You know, yeah. healthcare is their job, you know, economy. Uh, just establishing the structure of the government. Sure. That's really important for politics. So how do you feel when social issues, such as what you mentioned, the LGBTQ community, when that gets issue, um, excuse me, when that becomes a political issue, do you think that's a right thing? Do you think that the pol- that uh, political officials need to stay away from that? Yes. I, I, I think that, listen, I think we've lost, I, I think Republicans lost social issues 50 years ago. And I mean, I have, you know, gay family. I have members of my family that are minorities. Um, and let's let's stop focusing on this. Like, this was like thirty or forty years ago. Like, this is over. Mm-hmm. Like, you're. It's a losing battle, and it's not a battle I'm interested in. And that's not why I would be a Republican. Like, if if, but also at the same time, I think most Republicans do want to stay away from those issues. Now, there are the people up top who will say different things to rile different crowds up, for sure. And there are definitely establishment Republicans that are homophobic. I've met them, right? They're out there. But most of the people I meet in the Republican Party are the nicest, sweetest people I know who all agree that the government needs to stay out of social issues. They might not necessarily agree with lifestyle, but they don't think it's the government's place to come in and dictate to them. And I totally agree with that. And I, you know, I have, I've mentioned on air before, I had um, Micah Beckwith come on. He he said something that, um, I, I don't know, I, I, not a, I didn't find it offensive, but I asked him a little bit about LGBTQ issues because I have gay family. And so, um, so I have gay family, and so I was talking to him about that, and he said some controversial stuff on air, and I just thought, you're the minority of the party. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I do make an effort to try to change the party a little bit, but I think that most of us are not like that. I think most of us are pro government get out of my get out of my yeah. business you know yeah. and i you sure i mean i i've met some students who espouse these homophobic ideas and that really bothers me um so before so now i'm chairman of the indiana high school republicans we can talk about that too if you want um but before i was chairman i would i'd been elected but i didn't take office yet but we met um some people from a different school um who were trying to start up a club um, there were two presidents in particular, and they said something homophobic to me while we were at a dinner together talking about clubs and stuff and talking about how they can get a club started. And um, I said, well, I have, you know, this member of my family is gay. And their faces went super white. And we didn't charter that club until those two presidents were out. Jeez. Um, they were seniors, and so when they left, we chartered them now. And now they're a great club. Um, but, you know, things like... And I got applauded for that by a lot of party people I've met and told that story to. Because it is the future of the party. And it's the future of America. And, and there's no sense in fighting this battle anymore. 
Okay, so let's actually talk about young young Republicans. So you said you were the chairman, correct? Yeah, I am chairman statewide of high school Republicans. Yeah, so as as chairman of Carmel High School, young Republicans, correct? Uh, Well, I'm president of Carmel High School, young Republicans, and then I'm uh, chairman of the Indiana High School Republicans. So Carmel High School, young Republicans has 30 registered members, and then there's 16 clubs statewide, I believe. So then I'm chairman, and all of the other club presidents around the state report to me, and, and we work on different things. Awesome. Well, what do you, um, or I'll, I'll rephrase it, what's probably your proudest achievement as uh, chairman of Indiana Young Republicans? Oof. <laughs> well, um, so my term has, I think we're almost at nine months on my term, um, and I will be doing it until I'm at the end of my high school career. Um so to understand the um, my biggest achievement, I've got to tell you the whole story okay. of high school Republicans. So um, I was a freshman here. There was a club, got shut down because so- someone came in and said uh, uh, an offensive joke. It got shut down. I restarted it my sophomore year. So in between my freshman and sophomore year, I was planning out the club, um, and I was visited by a guy named Whitaker McKenzie, um, and a guy named Mason McCartney. So Mason was the chairman of the Indiana High School Republicans, and Whitaker was the vice chairman. And they just started this a few months ago, right? So didn't have any legal backing, nothing like that. It was just a conglomerate of clubs who were trying to start working together. So it was Whitaker was Zionsville, Mason was Fishers. Their treasurer at the time was from HSE, and then they had one other club up in Logansport. Um... And so I was their fifth signed club. And so um, Carmel High School joined, and we kept going for a long time. Um, And eventually um, elections came around. Uh, We were at about 10 clubs at that point. I had recruited a few uh, that I knew. Um, And so we were at 10 clubs statewide at that point. I think maybe 12, actually. But regardless, I won the election for chairman. The kid up in Logansport became my vice chairman. Um, and at the time, we were talking about potentially becoming a branch of the state Republican Party. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and we went to a few meetings there uh, at the state Republican headquarters, so it's in a big um, big tower in Indianapolis. And uh, But eventually, we just decided it was like it had been like six months or something since that meeting, and we hadn't heard that they wanted to auxiliarize us. And set, so we decided, all right, we're going to become a corporation. And so me and my vice chairman got together, did some research. He did a ton of research. Um, and then we went and visited an attorney and became an Indiana not-for-profit. So now we've been fundraising statewide. And so the reason I say that that is my top accomplishment is because before that, we were just a conglomerate of clubs, right? There was no backing. There was nothing solid. There was no foundation. We couldn't even fundraise. It was all just going into like our personal bank accounts. Mm-hmm. We were just keeping track in spreadsheets, right? But now we were able to create a bank account, and we were able to start doing stuff as a corporation that's official and legal. And so that's probably been the the top accomplishment for us. So you met so that's one that's really amazing that you were able to make it a, a, a non-for-profit corporation. Yeah, thank but you. But you did mention how you wanted it to be a part of the state government. Uh what was your or state goal? Republican Party? Sorry, my bad. Yeah. Um 
what was your goal behind making it part of the state Republican Party? Well, so that was before I was chairman. So right. uh, I was in that meeting because I had been elected as the next chairman. But, you know, it was supposed to give us more, um, not credibility, but solidity and more of a foundation to work off of, something more legal, something with more backing to it. Um, and so that was the reason we were going to go ahead and auxiliarize with state party. Um, but, you know, it, it took a long time, and we just decided we had projects that we needed to get done, and we just needed to become a corporation. Yeah, so being chairman of Young Republicans, what is uh, how, how much of your schedule does that occupy on a week-to-week -week basis? Quite a bit. Um, more so lately than um, a few months ago, uh, but that's because we're planning out our President's Day dinner, our first annual President's Day dinner. So that's going to be February 15th in Noblesville, um, and we're having um, Representative Chuck Goodrich come. So he's the CEO of Gaylor Electric, uh, which is hosting us. And then State Auditor Tara Klutz, who won a statewide election. And then um, Speaker-elect of the Indiana House of Representatives, Todd Houston. Um, so there's been a lot of work lately prepping all of that and making sure that gets done. But um, before that, it's a lot of communicating with our peers and communicating with the pr club presidents and trying to make sure we're all on the same page and moving forward together. So before we got he hot and heavy for the President's Day dinner, we were going pretty hot and heavy for blanket drive. And before that, it was drug take back. So we're always doing something, but um, these past this past month and a half has been very busy for us as we're getting this thing prepped. And then also the Carmel High School Young Republicans, so not statewide, mm -hmm. but just our school, we're going to D.C. at the end of next month. As a, a 20 of us are going to D.C., and so we're trying to hook up, you know, White House tours and, and Capitol tours, and we're going to the Conservative Political Action Conference, which is where Trump actually made his first political speech. Um, so we're so on top of that, for me personally, being a club president and Indiana High School Republican chair has been very time-consuming as of late. So what's the goal behind going to D.C.? I know that's obviously, you know, that's quite a bit to, you know, organize. So for sure. So what, what's, what's maybe the goal behind going to D.C.? Well, actually, um, it started off with me and a friend in the club just just memeing around. Seriously, okay. like like uh, we were up at three a.m. over the summer, and she was just like, "Chris, what if we just went to D.C. like as a club?" I was like, "That's something to talk about." So we'd start having those conversations and decided there's a lot of interest behind it. And I've never been to D.C. Okay. So I didn't go on the eighth grade trip, and I'd never been before that. So this was, like, really appealing to me. But also it's 2020. And so what we're going to is CPAC. So that's the Conservative Political Action Conference. And it's the biggest conservative convention in the world, basically. Um, Trump speaks, Pence speaks, pretty much all Republicans speak. Um, and, you know, Fox News hosts, all of these right-leaning commentators and, and personalities are there. Um, and so that's what really started making us think, because it's 2020, this is going to be the biggest CPAC ever, Dang. and we would love to see a Trump speech during an election year in Washington. Yeah. And so that, that, that's kind of what the goal was behind it, is just to go and see that and experience that as a club. Um, 
And also, I mean, I haven't seen any Democrat club do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> right? So yeah. it's also a bit of a, you know, show of force that we're a little bit better. Wow. You know? So there, there's a little bit of that there, too. But also, I think when you look at the actual political purpose behind it, if you have to find one, I think this is going to motivate kids to to really want to make a difference in our area. And, and they're going to have that opportunity because as soon as we get back— there's plenty of work to do for this house, for this district because I don't know if you know this, Will, but our district is uncontested now because our congresswoman is stepping down. And so this is one of the biggest battleground districts in the country right now. It's like one of the top, it's like top 10 tier. Wow. There's going to be national attention on this district. So there's a lot of work to, for us to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, Chris, you mentioned there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you do have a job right now, right? I do, yeah. Well, I I, I think I used to work at um, at a tele, telephone center, um, and I did help desk calls for a few online sites. Uh, but now I work um, at the Republican Party every day. So I go in every every day for, you know, three or four hours. Yeah, so what does that entail, you know, on a how, well, one, how often do you work? And then uh, when you do work, what does that really entail? Yeah, so I started working there when I was uh, summer between my freshman and sophomore year. So I got involved pretty early, and I started off as an unpaid intern actually while I worked for Laser Flash. <laughs> um, so I would do that, you know, during the summer days I had off, um, and and it worked pretty well then. And so then the next summer I did it, I became the point man for all of the Fourth of July stuff. Um, and that was really awesome because I was working with different campaigns to go ahead and get them to our parades and stuff and go ahead and uh, line them up and get all of that organized. Um, during the 2018 election, I did a lot of administrative work trying to sort out, well, well, how often do you, on election day, how many signs do you normally see when you go by a polling site? Uh, one too many, usually. Yeah. There's usually a lot. <laughs> that was my job during 2018. Amen. for the last month is I was sorting out who has to go where because, you know, Mike Braun's running statewide, so he has to go to every polling site. And then this county councilor is only applicable in this district, so we can't put signs anywhere else. We have to put it there. Um, this city council, or not city councilman, this, uh, you know, the, the coroner needs to go everywhere. So it was a lot of stuff like that of me, you know, just throwing stuff. So if you came into that office at the tail end of 2018, it was a mess. Like there were like, uh, I think there were 120 piles of signs. Wow. That I had to keep track of, and then I had to organize groups to go and actually place them out the night before the election because you weren't allowed to do it weeks before. Right. You had to do it the night before the election. So that's what we were doing, and so it's been it's a lot of that. But now my role has really um, transformed. I've taken a much more administrative role. So website maintenance, um, emails, things like that, um, keeping track of different files. Um, I do a lot of social media work, a lot of stuff like that. Okie dokie. Um, and, you know, it does sound like you really do en enjoy your job. And as we previously mentioned, you're a junior in high school. Uh, yeah. Do you think as both a student and uh, you didn't really mention how, how often you work, but do you think that as a student you should be able – or you should be um, not necessarily forced, but um, expected 
to work another job in addition to having a seven to three um, school time. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is my choice, right? Like, and, and there's significant advantage to the way I'm doing it and to how I'm doing it. But it's not for everyone. And if you lowered the school day or, or something like that, not everyone would take advantage of it. I would. Yeah, me too. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I'd be at work at 2 and mm-hmm. then just work until 6 or 7 or, or something and then take a Friday off at the end of the week, right? Mm-hmm. But but uh, I think I think you've got to keep uh, – I think you've got to keep school mostly the way it is. Uh, it shouldn't be about going to a second job because that's just an extracurricular to me. Um, but I mean, I'm not saying I don't. I'm not saying don't shorten the school day because there are few reasons, a few different changes I would make to the school day schedule. Absolutely. Sure, um, but I don't think it should be uh, motivated by kids having second jobs. If you had complete reign over the school schedule, what would you do? You know, big question, obviously. Um, Tough one. That can be anywhere from, you know, coming in later, ending school earlier, changing. Because uh, at Carmel High School, we do block scheduling. Mm-hmm. So we have four classes today, four classes tomorrow. Yeah. Is there anything that you uh, kind of dislike about how Carmel does their school? I mean, it's not necessarily just Carmel, but, you know, how most of the schools around the nation kind of yeah. pr- uh, prioritize waking up early and leaving in the mid- middle of the day. Yeah, well, I think that we should start at eight or nine. Yeah, or, or not eight, uh, eight thirty or nine o'clock. So, because if you had it at eight, then it's already seven fifty. So it doesn't really do anything. But eight thirty, I would say, is a good idea. Um, I think that's a pretty down the road, middle of the road suggestion to do that. And I mean, I think that like I sleep a lot better when I don't have to be at school until eight thirty. Yeah, right? me too. So, uh, and yeah, it's noticeable. And so I think we should all that should be what we do with it. Um, and, and I think if you have to put it at three fifteen, put it at three fifteen then. But I think that's the solution. I think that's what everyone's really looking for. But you know, it's it's interesting you mentioned that because um, Westfield does something where they have their clubs in the middle of the day. That's something we should look into. Because, that is interesting. Yeah. Well, you've got five thousand kids, or fifty four hundred kids now. And our goal is to get everyone engaged, not just in their education, but, you know, with an extracurricular too, with a club, with something like that. If we had clubs, like, maybe during, like, the latter half of SA- of SRT or something, or every Wednesday during late start, instead of doing SRT, you go to just a club for 40, for, you know, an hour or whatever. I think you would see club attendance across the board spike, and I think that you would see students getting engaged, and you would engage a lot more students that way, I think. Yeah. Sorry for that uh, little little break there, Mr. Elmore. I'd use the restroom. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I have to prioritize. Whoa, I have to prioritize your time as much as I can. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, because we're currently at SRT right now. Usually, yeah. I like to do my uh, podcast interviews after school. Sure. Usually, because that works better for people's schedule. But you know, we're both not doing anything right now. Right. This is um, perfect. Yeah. Do you, Chris, do you like SRT? I love SRT. Yeah. It's a good break. Yeah. yeah. Do you think we should have it on both days? Mm. Big question. Um, no, I think it's okay the way it is. Okay. I like SRT, um, but really I find myself doing 
not as much homework during SRT yeah, <laughs> as too. one would expect. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely, but it's also because I'm in radio SRT, right? So I'm being a little bit lazy in radio and hanging out with friends and talking to friends, or or, or maybe if I'm doing work, then I'm I'm writing an email for work or something yeah. or, or something else. But I don't find myself doing that much homework in SRT. Yeah, and and you definitely mentioned radio too. Yeah, I, we're, both of us are in radio SRT, um, and radio is something that you know personally I did not expect to get into as much as I as I would get into. Uh, yeah, why, same here. Yeah, why did you join radio? Just curious. Well, um, I think the same reason as you. We're in the same class, um, in Creekside's journalism class or something, yep. and they had kids from radio come in, and you were like, oh, crap, these kids are legit. Yeah. And they came in, and they were enthusiastic and happy, and they decided, that's where I decided, and that's something to look into. Um, and then also... Um, I knew the newspaper was, um, and the I knew the newspaper was pretty liberal, um, <laughs> and I I wasn't that interested in yearbook um, and TV. I it would have been cool, but radio, I saw is something I could make a, a difference in. Yeah, and I could go ahead and be myself there more so than any other place. You know, it was going through a different time. Mr. James was a new teacher, um, so he couldn't stop me from doing everything I wanted, <laughs> right? But, um, but, but that was that was why I joined radio. It was just because you know it was a changing time, and it was good to jump in on that floor and make a difference. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about your live show, Elmore's World. It's yeah. honestly one of you know I'll, I'll I'll say it one of the most professional live shows that we have to offer. We don't really offer a whole lot of other. Uh, really interview-based live shows. So what's it like? Yeah, of course, sir. Um, So what's it like, uh, you know, interviewing local politicians like every week? I love it. I think it's like I I didn't expect to love it as much as I do. Um, I, you know, I was driving to um, Evansville with my dad on Saturday. We're going to a concert and he asked me a similar question. He was like, how do you feel that about it? How do you feel that you get to talk to these people? What do you talk about in between segments? Right. And I was like, Dad, I am like one of the luckiest guys because most voters don't do not get this time with candidates. They don't get to know who their candidates are, really are. They don't get to experience them for like an hour in a one-on-one conversation. And because of radio, I have that opportunity. So I had Chuck Dietzen on, you know, and he, uh, last weekend. He was a great interview. Probably never would have been able to talk to him for as long as I did without the show. Um, a few months ago, I had Kelly Mitchell on. She's the state treasurer of Indiana. She's busy, yeah. <laughs> right? She wouldn't have had time to, to meet me for an hour, right, at this stage in the campaign. So I'm uberly, just supremely blessed to be able to to talk to these people for these long periods of time. And, and I, I love it. Those were some legit adjectives right there. Thank you. Yeah. Uberly supreme. Uberly supreme. Yeah. Re- really describes your character really fast. Uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, you did kind of ask, uh, like I, I think your dad asked there, um, what do you talk about between segments with these, with these yeah. politicians? Because, you know, you don't get to see politicians really out of the limelight ever. So, so you know. it depends on the politician. Okay. It depends if they like me or not. <laughs> right? Is it pretty clear to tell pretty fast? Um, yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, like within two minutes of meeting, you know if it's gonna wow. be a good interview or not, right? So like 
Kelly Mitchell, she came in. We vibed very uh, a, a ton, even just walking down the hallway to the station. That was awesome. You know, um, other candidates have come in. They've been great, but some have come in, and they've been awkward and kind of quiet, and that's been a tougher interview. And it's so in between segments, if normally if we've connected before, like in those 15 minutes or so, then we have no problem filling up that time. But if it's someone who I didn't necessarily connect very much with, it could be an awkward four minutes of silence. All right. So it really just depends on the candidate. But, like, um, Kelly Mitchell came on, and we talked about, um, in between breaks, we talked about high school Republicans. That That's a common one that a lot of Republican politicians like to ask about because a lot of them want to go and visit these clubs and, and visit with students. Um, I had a Democrat on... Uh, very recently, and you should be able to figure out who that is because there, she's the second, well, now I've given it away, but she's <laughs> the second Democrat I've had on the show. Um, and uh, and I've re- I reach out to Democrats all the time, and they just don't want to come on very often. Don't know why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but she came on, and uh, and one of her first questions to me before the show was, um who you think you're going to vote for in 2020. I was like, great, great, great. And I I just said, well, you know, I'm a pretty moderate Republican. Um, If someone moderate enough gets in, into the Democrats, maybe I'd reevaluate, but the way it's looking, I'm probably voting for Trump. And the entire room just shifted, right? Like, like the mood was off, like it was bad. And then um, she said, um, yeah, well, I can give you a half hour of time today then. Wow. And it was like, wow. So she'd already agreed to an hour-long interview. And because she didn't agree with, you know, my opinion, it determined how long she was going to give me. That's rough. Yeah, it was very rough. And so you can hear, like, there was definitely tension on air, too. Like, if you go back and listen to that interview... Um, it, it was pretty bad. It's on the website now. D. Thornton. I gave it away. I don't care yeah. at this point. Uh, you, if you cared enough, you could go figure it out at this point. So, but if you go listen to like the twenty-five minute mark on, you you see like gloves are off, man. It was it was pretty bad. That's but wild. but that was that was a very extreme example. Like even people who I had, you know, disagreements with and had back and forth with on air like I like I had back and forth with Micah Beckwith um we were always civil and nice to each other you know in between shows and even after the show and um then I hooked him up to come and speak to different clubs and um and you know he texts me and stuff sometimes with different events and things so we're definitely on good terms but um I think the only candidate I would say I had a negative experience with was probably her Okay. Because and and it was just that's that's it. So that's like what I've done twenty interviews probably. So five percent, ninety five percent success rate. <laughs> okay. So I'm okay with that. So you do turn your uh, live show into a podcast as well. Is that I correct? do. Yeah, I'm one of the only live shows to do that, and it's because they just want the sound bites, man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's I mean, you did obviously mention there. Uh, you want that you know like a quote-unquote physical copy that you can just hey if you want to listen to my podcast yeah it's right here you can listen to it whenever you want versus you know um 
just having it turn on once a once a week or whatnot. Yeah. So, uh, is that really just the main reason, or is there an- another reason to have you know a podcast version? Well, sure. I mean, people people like to be able to go and listen back to themselves. I like to do that, so I can go back and kind of listen in and. Um, a lot of times um, people can't listen during my time slot and they want to go back and listen. Um, candidates want that to be able to be promoted so they can promote the interview. Um, you know, there's virtue in doing an interview with a high schooler. Um, so that that's that's part of the reason I do it. But also, you know, I, I like everything to be on the record. You know, let's be able to look back at a record and see how much your story is changing or how much my story is changing. So like, um, so like if someone goes like six months from now, let's say whoever wins the democratic or Republican primary, if they switch a position on things that we had talked about here, let's refer back to it. Let's hold them accountable for that. But it also sets a good baseline for me too, because I'm able to say, you know what, this is what I think. There's a record of me saying this is what I think right. since I was in high school. And so there's a good you know, political advantage to that, too, consistency. Yeah, and, you know, just going on about, like, I guess not necessarily your live show, but radio as a whole. Chris, you are a nationally nominated radio host. Is that correct? Yeah, I have six national award nominations, and one of them's with our show that we did. Yeah. So uh, what's it like to have, you know, six nominations? And let's say, like, you don't get, like, any of them, the fact Ugh. that you're still nominated. Don't say that. I highly doubt you're not going to. Knock on wood. You're not going to lose. I have I have a very strong feeling that you're going to take awards and some trophies. I hope so. I hope so. Um, It's pretty cool. I feel I feel good. Um about it um people have been very supportive of me with it uh and i'm i'm really humbled i i'm i'm humbled that i've been nominated for this because you know it's not something i would i didn't think i was going to get six nominations i i didn't know if i'd get any nominations right and so when it came back and said not only had i gotten six but that was the most out of the station and then when i kept looking and it was like you know my name came up on the list more than anyone else's mm-hmm. like in, in the country. I was like, Oh my God, that's crazy. And that's not me trying to pat my own back. That no. was that, like, I'm still shocked about it because yeah. I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was worthy of that, but um, I guess I've got something good here. Yeah. And uh, not only that, but you know, you most of the time, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are nominated for Elmore's World, correct? Yeah, yeah. So a lot a of the nominations. A political live show. A Republican political live yeah, show. <laughs> it was, it's nationally nominated yeah. more than like almost anybody else who went and tried to be nominated, you know? So it, it beat sports, it beat talk shows, it yeah. beat, um, I don't know, what other podcast or uh, live shows are there? Not really a whole lot else. All of them. You beat all of them. <laughs> Republican political say. live show. What, what, what's it like to have you know your your ten cents be nationally nominated? Gosh, I've never thought about it like that. Wow, very humbling. I'd never thought about it like that until just now. It, it sends, you know, it, it's it's it it, it 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 humbles me a lot, and it it makes me really grateful for where I am. Um. And it's kind of a referendum on what I'm, I've am i been saying for years. Like, 
I think moderate republicanism is a good thing and moderate right wing, you know, center of right. And I'm happy that people agree with that and aren't too turned off by that. Yeah. And so um, I guess not only is it good because I feel great about the show, but it feels good because it shows that there is, you know, hope for what I'm talking about and what I'm trying to portray and what I'm trying to communicate to listeners, my my opinions. And it's kind of a referendum on all of that for me, I think. Yeah. And also, you know, I know this is going back to the Republican stuff, but there are a lot of scared Republicans out there. There are a lot of students I've met who have come up to me and said, I don't know how you're, I don't know why you're doing it because there's just so much hatred out there, uh, especially among other students. I mean, I think Republican students are, they're scared. They're in a place of fear. And so that's something that we've been trying to build with high school Republicans is building that community where people can kind of feel safe. And so I think it's, you know, it gives me hope, not just for me, but, you know, for other students that this stuff isn't crazy. The stuff that we're all agreeing on here in these club meetings it's not crazy. It's pretty mainstream. You've just got to reach out and make that known. And then, uh, you know, n- not just nationally. You're all, you plan to be nominated, I'm assuming, for state competitions as well. Yeah, I what, need to get on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your goal going into that? Like, what are you expecting? Oh, I haven't looked at it enough yet. Um, I want to enter Elmore's world into every category I think it would apply for. Yeah. Our, so, and speaking of radio, you know, Elmore's World is your main thing. You are also a host on Man Cave. Yeah. Um, Shout shout out to Man Cave, Man Cave. But I am curious. Do you have any other, like, major goals you have for radio? Or do you just want to really keep those two and, like, evolve and just keep going with that route? Well, um, you mean artistically or or what? I, you know, any answer will do, I guess, honestly. If you want to talk about just, you know, your grades. If you want to talk about, uh, you know... uh, we are also going to be opening up manager positions pretty soon as well. Yeah, I'd like to become live show manager. Um, you know, out of all the juniors, all the, all the third years, I think I, I've i done live shows since, you know, beginning of my sophomore year. And so, you know, I feel like I can help a lot of people with their live shows and things like that. So that's kind of what I'm my goal is, I think, for the rest of the school year is focus on getting live show manager. Um but then a little fun project, I mean, I've been tossing around in my head. I've run it by you a few times, Will. But yes, I think I know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I would love to do a Star Wars show or something like that. Because, like, we've been talking about politics forever. But, like, the top thing for me, if I could go into any career, I would be in Star Wars. Yeah. Like, that would be, yeah, man. Like, you can't get better than that. All right, well, I have a proposition for you then. Let's do it, yeah. You could be CEO of Lucasfilm, who makes Star Wars, or President of the United States of America. I'm very (sighs) curious about this, because Chris has never really shown that. He's always wanted to be president, and now he just mentioned that Star Wars is number one. So, I'm curious. Mm. That's tough. (laughs) It's very tough. Because it... Okay, if you could have made me the offer 10 years ago, I might have gone with CEO of Lucasfilm because I would have liked to have directed the uh, directed the course of um, For, uh, the seven, sequels. Eight, nine. Yeah, but at this point, president, and maybe even president 10 years ago, right? But 
but probably president still. <laughs> just because, you know, that's one of the things that scouting has ingrained in me so much is wanting to help people. And so, to me, politics isn't about just, like, it's not about the ego. I think a lot of politicians, it's about the ego. To me, it's legitimately about trying to make the quality of living as good for people as it can be. And this is coming from the guy with the Star Wars shirt on right now, too. Yes, and I've got Vader on my back right now. Is he your favorite character? Yes. Is yes. there any other contention, like, has to be Vader? Like, in Star Wars or in yeah, general? Because Vader's my favorite character, period. But, okay, yeah. Why Why is Vader such a... I mean, I think I know the answer because I'm a Star Wars fan at heart, too. Yeah. Um, but why, why, personally, for you, is Vader number one? I love his redemption arc. That's why. I think that it's a hopeful redemption arc. I mean, he... Number one, he's badass. I'm sorry. I, I don't know if I, I'm allowed to say I that or not. <laughs> but But he is. And, he, you know, he comes out and he's scary. And you're like, oh my god, this guy looks freaky. And then you start to explore his character more, and you realize there's human in him, and there's man in him, and there's still good in him. There's still good in him. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I love that theme. I love that idea. But then when you look at it in the full context of Star Wars, this is a broken man who comes back. I mean... From he was a slave, right, with hopes of ex- being an ad- on an adventure, um, and that, and, and he falls in love while he's a slave, and and he's in love with this girl for years, and he's so close, and he flies too close to the sun, and the things that make him so lovable, are ultimately the things that result in the tragedy, and and him turning to the dark side. But also, those are the same thing. Not it, Love is the same thing that brings him out of it. I don't know. It's interesting. And I think there are a lot of deep themes you could... It, we, could we could talk about that for an hour, We right? probably will at one point. I'm sure honestly. we have before. But yes. Yeah. So Chris and I yeah. actually, for a while, we hosted, what was it? Star Wars News Update. It was a yes. podcast that we made probably eighth grade. Seventh, eighth grade. Yeah. yeah. It was... Awesome. Very interesting. It was awesome. Many arguments were had. Yeah. Oh, my God. I got so mad. Yeah. So this was back <laughs> in the day when I was a little more lax on yeah. a lot of things. And uh, it's kind of switched roles now. I mean, not, not <laughs> quite. You have a lot of responsibility, too. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, I, I definitely matured from that. And that was kind of a wake up call, honestly. <laughs> well, because you would. Oh, you, you go ahead. No, I, I think I think you should talk about this. This is funny. Well, you would <laughs> you would come in and not have any prepped on mm-hmm. nothing. Just just sit down. I'm ready. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I think. I think there were probably a few times I, I, I yelled pretty harshly. Yeah, because we did two live shows. We did or, uh, podcasts. Yeah. We did uh, Hero Chat and Star Wars News Update. And at the very end, we would always like say who would win in a fight. Uh, and then yeah. I, I think the one exactly was like Boba Fett versus Chewbacca or something, right? Yeah, And I, I was on the so. side of Boba Fett, and I was talking, and I was like, let's just redo it. And Chris was like, no, we're not going <laughs> to redo it. I was like... No. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I was I I'm pretty pissed. Yeah. But we both, you know, matured from that. I oh, think yeah. it was it was fun. Yeah. It was funny. I, I've got all of the videos archived. We can go back and rewatch them sometime. I'll definitely have to do that. And probably one of my favorite things have come like for you, 
Uh, there's two things that I mentioned that remind me of you. It's, you know, president. Yeah. And then uh, no one's going to understand this, but it's a high quality trader shirt. Yes. Um, so Chris, uh, on his old YouTube channel, Nerd Nation, I don't know if we have really a lot of time to talk about Nerd Nation necessarily, but uh, he had a YouTube channel and he would post these updates every now and then about yes. what's going on with the channel, you know, like any... <laughs> Uh, influencer would. Yes. And <laughs> Chris was quite the influencer. Um, and yeah. he was just talking and like he, he was going on about it. And he had this um, Stormtrooper shirt on that had the little riot baton. And that's the character from episode seven that says Traitor. Yeah. Um, and people called him TR8R because Traitor. And Chris had a shirt that had that. It said Traitor. And at one point, just randomly in his whole monologue about his update, he goes, and this is my high quality trader shirt. It's so And good. I eventually clipped it and actually debuted it on the greatest radio show, which yes. was our old live show. We were talking so about good. Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And I also mentioned that, hey, this is the last sound that I have a Bigfoot. And I played it. It was Chris talking about his high quality trader shirt. Everyone on air heard that. Uh, oh my God, it was awesome. That's it was, hilarious. It was beautiful. Well, Chris, I really appreciate the time. This is been an hour long felt like 20 minutes yeah yeah i think that's a good thing it is a good thing well anyways that's been crumble conversations with chris elmore chris you're welcome back anytime thank you for having me we'll do it again we'll do it other than that this has been crumble conversation today i really hope everyone enjoyed the podcast i know i sure did if you are looking for more caramel conversations you can go to our soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash caramel underscore conversations or the instagram at caramel underscore conversations if you go to that instagram we have all sorts of news on there about the future of this production so that's probably where you're going to get the most caramel conversations action other than that i really hope everyone enjoys their february coming up i really hope everyone enjoys their week but most importantly caramel enjoy your day